You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we're the epicenter of the Omega variant. I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything we've ever said and ever will say. Uh, this past week, uh, I've had a little bit of congestion, some sinus pressure, and pre-show I was talking to uh, my co-host William, and it seems that he has had the same thing. So uh, last week, my bachelor party was a super spreader event, apparently. So uh, please excuse us if our voices sound a little not 100% or if there's a little bit of throat clearing or, or coughing or sneezing. Although I'm past the sneezing and the coughing, I think I can't speak for William. Let me bring him in. Joining me this trip from Dale's lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yeah, I am the Omega Man. Yeah, it's funny, we were talking, I was like, yeah, my allergies make, are making me sound a little weird today, and you're like, wait, I also have nasal congestion, you're like, oh man, this is because we haven't been in public in so long, the first time we go into public, we catch the common cold, it's hilarious. Well, I mean, you're you're in California, so this is the first time you've been in public, and we'll talk about California in a second here, because it's demanding we talk about, I love when we decide not to talk about California, it's just like, no, pay attention to me, <laughs> so we'll get there in a second, but I've been in Florida, so I haven't been uh that sick it's it's just that there are more people i mean i i've i haven't been sick because i've been exposed to people over the last year right like remember last yeah, yeah, summer yeah. 20, 2020 the summer 2020 i was going to universal right there yeah. wasn't a lot of people there though and there wasn't a lot of people from out of state now there are a lot of people from out of state coming we were around a lot of people we were at universal city walk we were at uh hollywood studios all day we went down to the coast to the beach where it's a tourist town. So we went to a bunch of places and then we were also staying up. I mean, we were routinely going to bed for like three days at like 1 a.m., right? So it, it's a combination of factors, exposure and, uh, you know, when you get older, your immune system is weaker. I don't when get you, older. You don't I get sleep. younger every year. <laughs> All right there, Vampiro. <laughs> uh. So besides, uh, besides, uh, the Omega variant here, uh, How's your week been? Anything it's, exciting happen? It's been excellent. Uh, nothing very exciting. A lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, preparation. Um, where I work has a summer break coming up, so just been um, getting all the pieces in place for uh, summer break. The first week of August. Um, no big plans for summer break. I think I have a friend uh, that I grew up with flying in, so that's going to be exciting. And uh, the other. Piece of exciting news is uh, Puppy Remington graduated his ridiculous preschool I put him in, uh, and they gave him a shiny yearbook and uh, uh, took a graduation video, which most of you guys saw the original and the outtake uh, on Instagram. So uh, yeah, it was, it was hilariously cute and funny. Um, so now I can rest assured that uh, he does know what I'm asking him to do. He's just willfully ignoring it. So uh, so that's uh, it's a great feeling. What's in a puppy yearbook? Uh, just a bunch of pictures of him over the last couple months. So 
you can see him at the beginning. He's just this tiny little thing, and now he's a uh, probably. I guess he's probably like fifty pounds by now. Fifty pound uh, um, uh, adolescent dog right now. That's very cool. That's very cool. It's cool that they gave you that sort of scrapbook, so you didn't have to go through the effort of taking the pictures yourself. <laughs> exactly. Although, I am a bit worried about your friend coming up to visit in California. So uh, let's talk about that and the the possible implications and the possible things holding that back in life on the midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. We accept any and all support, including affirmations. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, William, is how batshit insane California is. And, and I know I say that over and over again, but... I, I've sort of, over this pandemic, I've sort of been all over the place emotionally. And what I mean by that is, for a long time, I was like, man, how can we as Americans let this happen? Are we really that far gone that our sense of individuality and our sense of freedom and our, our pride in our, our, our principles is gone, that we allow authoritarianism? And then I saw Canada specifically Ontario, what was going on there. And I was like, okay, we're not that bad. So maybe America is not as bad as I think it is because even Canada or not, sorry, even California is not going that far, but William, there were a couple stories out of California this past week that I was just like, what the fuck? The first is Saturday night. So you'll be hearing this episode midsiders on a Monday morning or after this past Saturday night. Or maybe it was during the day. I know it was 12. Maybe it was 12 p.m., so noon. I don't know, William. You, you live out there, so you can tell me. Los Angeles County reinstated its indoor mask mandate. Now, I'll ask you again, William. Here's another question for you. Does that apply to non-government buildings? But just the idea that they're even going backwards, and they're literally saying, they're literally saying, this is our way to get ahead of another lockdown, so there's not another lockdown. It just, it blows my mind, William. It blows my mind that there are people in this country, specifically America, because of America's founding principles and the sense of life this country is supposed to have, that there are people in this country who do not see through this smokescreen that this is a power grab and that there are people who are still forging ahead with this power grab. How is there a city that is this far gone? Well, uh, Justin, we're just following the science, and the science says that uh, you should precog uh, issues and grab as much power as possible, whenever possible. So uh, it's the science of politics that we're following, um, to be clear, not the science of pandemics. Um, I, you know, I it wouldn't it wouldn't be laughable if it weren't uh, so transparent. Um, I, I haven't gone out, so it was effective Saturday at midnight because apparently COVID doesn't, uh, transmit on Friday or Saturdays. Um, 
<laughs> Somebody said that. Force, I think it was... the Delta Force variant <laughs> kicks in um, Saturday at midnight. Yeah, um, somebody tweeted that out. They're like, well, glad to find out that COVID becomes a danger then. <laughs> and I don't know, like, we'll see today, like, how much, like, compliance there is with it. Uh, you know, I, I have my normal uh, Sunday kickball game. I'm assuming the uh, the the folks are going to go out and uh, there's, a like, a potluck after at one of the local gay bars. So uh, I might swing by and see, just see how people are treating this because it's... They're saying, I think there's a subtle difference too. It used to be, um, it used to be when the indoor dining was open, it was basically like, wear your mask when you're not at your table, was basically the rule. But if you notice, Justin, yeah. they subtly changed it. Now they want to do the uh, airline sip and bite rule. So, uh, so they're in trying restaurants. to squeeze that one in. In restaurants, yeah, the sip and in bite In restaurants. Rule. Yes, yes, yes. Look at the order. You fucking people, like, oh my god. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. To me, the rule of, like, even here, right? Even here, they tried to do that. Like, if you're not at your table, you need to wear your mask. Do you think if I was at a restaurant and I went to the bathroom, I put my mask on? I I no. didn't. I didn't when I was in Ohio, and they had the same rule. Yeah. I never did that here. I did it when I walked in so people didn't get mad at me. But when I went to the bathroom, I didn't put my mask on. You're going to tell me walking that 100 feet is going to fucking transmit it? Fuck you. Now you're going to tell me if I'm sitting at a table and I'm eating with other people who I know already, I have to put my mask up between bites because you don't want me spreading it to the person across the table. The person behind me is not going to get it. The server is not going to get it. It's just, uh, I don't, I have to, you said uh, it's not funny. I have to laugh or I'm going to get angry that this even (laughs) exists. I don't even live in LA anymore. And this makes me angry if I don't laugh at it. Does it, does it just, does it undermine the people who did get vaccinated a bit? Because we're, you know, the whole point of the vaccination, right, was, hey, this will lessen your chance of getting it. And if you do get it, it will lessen the impact. And we talked about that early on when we first started looking at these uh, vaccines. Um, And... Now we're saying, regardless of vaccination status, remember the rule before midnight at Saturday in California was um, masks are uh, optional, and I think, I, I don't know if they worded it as required, but they were basically like, hey, if you haven't had the vaccine or have other issues, feel free to wear the mask. If you have had the vaccine, you know, feel free not to wear the mask, basically. I don't know exactly how it was worded, and I'm sure we could dissect that and be triggered over that. But, um, but that was basically the gist. Like, if you see the gist of all the business signs, it was basically like, hey, if you're vaccinated, no need to wear a mask. That's basically what the signs said here in California. Um, but now we're changing that, right? So what was the point, right? There's, an, there's If you think about, remember, we made all these decisions based on, you know, we spread a bunch of misinformation at the beginning of this based on what we thought people would do in order to motivate them to do or not do certain things. For example, at the beginning, we told everyone masks didn't work, right? Because we didn't want to run on masks. That's, that was what we were told later when they said, everyone get a mask. So you, you, you have to, since, since we already know they're going to manipulate us, give us manipulated uh, information, what, what is the, we have to ask ourselves, what is the manipulation this time? So they're saying that the hospitalizations are up and they're saying that the deaths are up. Okay. Is it true? Like, we have to ask these questions because they lie to us to manipulate behavior constantly. So, is it true? Why would it matter if we're wearing masks indoors? Um, 
if you're vaccinated? Like, why would that matter? And we have to ask these questions. It's, it's you know, I don't, I don't want people to uh, think we're being conspiratorial here. We know they lie. So, like, we have to ask these questions and, and try to say, like, try to parse out, like, well, what is the manipulated behavior they're trying to get us to do? A hundred percent. And, and when you're talking about like, I'm going to simplify it even further. Okay. I'm going to simplify it two ways. One, the whole idea of a variant, right? We talked about this last episode, well, two episodes ago, not with the special episode with Daniel last week, but two weeks ago, two episodes ago, we talked about the idea that variants while more contagious are less powerful, right? They're less deadly. The symptoms aren't as bad. It doesn't hurt you as much. So the idea that, I mean, even this headline, right? L.A. County leads national battle against the Delta variant. That shows how manipulative they're being. And that's the Lead second it. thing I'm going to turn. Lead it. That doesn't even make any sense. I mean, we've talked to, I, I, related in the news. They've been hammering over states that didn't get any real stuff in the first wave are starting to get a wave right now. And they're they're lamenting the fact that there's not high vaccine uh, vaccination rates in these areas, and that there's lots of hospitalizations, and um, oh, there's it's hitting younger people, and you know, couldn't find out that those younger people tend to have more comorbidities in these regions. Um, so anyway, so like, it, it, and this is a serious issue, right? Like, sure, uh, if folks had gotten vaccinated sooner, um, maybe this wouldn't be so uh, impactful in, in places. I think Missouri was one of the states that they brought up. And they didn't have many cases at the beginning, right? So so we know how sort of uh, pandemics work based on history. And it's not surprising that regions that haven't had... Uh, it, it's sort of like, uh, to use a forestry analogy, it's, it's, uh, it's um, parts of the woods still had tinder, right? And so now all it takes is a little, you know a little super node in that area. And then all of a sudden it starts going through that area. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but I think people conflate what's happening like in LA County versus what's happening in Missouri. The likelihood of something like Missouri, in other words, a repeat of, you know, the winter in uh, California is pretty low. I mean, our vaccine vaccination rate is like, I believe it's in the fifties in LA County. I mean, Lord knows that we have, uh, I think I gave you the stat. What was the percent of homeless that was in L.A.? Um, you know, if we've just vaccinated all the homeless in L.A., we, we're already at 50% of L.A. County residents. So, um, so yeah, I, I, think, I, I think there's a bit of looking at this nationally versus locally that in that whole quote that you just had about L.A. County's leading against the Delta Force variant. Um, I, I just don't buy it because we, we know a lot more about how to treat it now. We know, uh, we know the overall death rate now, and this mask mandate is a trial balloon. Let's not lie to ourselves. When I talked earlier about like, what is, what is it they're actually trying to do? They're trying to figure out if they can lock us back down this winter. Right, because they said anything is on the table if this doesn't oh, work. My yes, martial law is on the table. Right. Well, and that and that's what I'm saying, William, about you know leads the national battle against the Delta variant, and that's what I'm saying about what you just said, even about Missouri. The only way past the pandemic is through it, 
this idea that there are these things we can do that aren't extreme, right? We can do something simple like lockdown. And I know I just called locking down simple, but let me get to my point. Putting on a mask, right? What I mean by simple is these are low efforts. These are not major changes to our biology. These are not major scientific things. And we think we can do these things in order to get through this. How does this connect to the headline? Well, it's very simple. These are manipulative techniques they're using to make us feel like we're participating. It's the same thing with this headline. This is a Los Angeles Times headline. To say that L.A. County is leading the national battle against the Delta variant is doing two things. One, it's saying the battle is a legitimate value, battle, which it is not. There is no battle against the Delta variant. This is made up. Okay, is there a Delta variant? Yes. But as I said earlier, these variants are not as powerful. They, more be, they may be more contagious, but they're not as powerful. And we've also seen how this virus actually affects people with the comorbidities and the things like that. We've seen now how Daniel was talking to us last week, I believe it was off air, that this is a vascular disease. That's why it's affecting things like the lungs, because it's affecting the oxygen transmission to the lungs. We're seeing these things now. So that's the first thing is it acts like the battle's legitimate. And then the second thing is it's acting like L.A. County is the best. We're doing this the best. That's the number one thing about the L.A. Times, William, that I remember from living there and looking at it now from a different place and a different perspective is everything in the L.A. Times is talking about how amazing L.A. is when it's completely the opposite. And that's the second point that I want to make to you when you're talking about this manipulation. This is not about party. It's not about group. It's not even about location. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can look at trends and we can say, well, this group of people and this type of person and this location tends to have these personalities. But what it comes down to is what kind of sense of life do people have? Are they afraid of the world or do they love the world and they love life and they're happy with themselves and, and, and they believe the, the world is something that's good? This but, is what this comes down to. And those Justin, are the two Justin, sides that are manipulating Justin, us. We have to. We've got to follow the science. That's what we have to do. Was no. that Gavin Newsom? That was Fauci. Fauci? Okay. Well, that shows you. But that's exactly what I mean. Someone like Fauci has that fear. So he is manipulative in that way. Because he believes we need to get people to be afraid. Or if they're not afraid, we just needed to get them to follow the rules. Whereas other people, they may manipulate you, but they're manipulating you to embrace your own freedom. Now, those two sides, right? The side that's manipulating you to embrace your own freedom and not be afraid of the world. That's terrifying to people with the opposite sense of life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So those people who are afraid of the world see that and they go, fuck, they want me to walk out into like acid rain. Shit, they're trying to manipulate me into walking that acid. How evil are they? But the other people are like, there's no acid rain, and you're evil because you're trying to convince us there's acid rain when there isn't. This, I mean, this is like, what's his name? Scott Adams talking about the two different movies, right? And it, like I say, it doesn't have to do with party. It doesn't have to do that. You have to assess each individual, each individual publication source, each individual politician, each individual state, every person you talk to, everywhere you want to live, you have to decide which sense of life do they have. Are they deathly afraid of the world or are they 
happy about the world and they want to live in it and they want to experience life. Those are the two sides. And, and not to be outdone by L.A., something I was wondering, William, with this whole thing was, mm. is L.A. really beating San Francisco to the punch here? There was a story that I saw, which was the, 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 for the opposite side that I said. I would say the opposite side for me, right? Uh, about how f- San Francisco is dealing with the new variant. And there's Delta an employer... Force. The Delta Force. There's an employer that someone says, and there's I'm going to name this person, okay? Because this person is a perfect example of the being afraid. If anyone doesn't want to get vaccinated, we will let them go. Zarin Khan, owner of Pakistani Indian restaurant Zarin's, told the newspaper, it's terrible, but we need people to understand this is serious. It is better to be cautious than sorry. So that's a prime example, William, of someone manipulating and affecting somebody else's life to make them afraid. Or, like I said, they don't care if you're afraid. They just want you to comply to deal with their fear. Oh, well, I'm afraid, so you need to comply. Now, here's the thing. Legally, people should be able to fire anyone for any reason they want. So I don't care legally if this person should be able to fire someone for being vaccinated or not. But morally, should they? No, I am strongly against this morally. This is somebody's personal choice. But then again, why would someone want to work for someone like this? But then again, why would someone want to live in San Francisco? Just a lot's being put on the table here. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, we were, you know, we touched on it pre-show. Um, I'm, of course, for firing anyone for any rational or irrational reason you want. Just like I'm for... You being a friend. Well, with legally, anyone. you're for that. You're yeah, not yeah, legally. Like for... legally. Yes, legally. <laughs> Just like you're not it... morally for firing for someone for irrational reasons. I don't think. Right. Well, I think it's. I have to say that first because it's really controversial. Um, I I think just like I can choose to be your friend or not be your friend for a host of rational or irrational reasons, I can choose to trade or not trade with you for those same reasons. I don't know why that's so yes. hard for people to understand or so controversial. Like. You know, um, to take it out of this context, there was a uh, uh, someone was saying something to me uh, last week. A friend of mine was like talking about um, uh, something about doctors and, you know, how, you know, how well they could they could decide not to choose your care. I think it was in the context of the uh, uh, religious freedom uh, law in one of the states where they're saying like, hey, if you're morally opposed to a, a procedure, like this would be in the context of trans stuff, then you should be able to, as a doctor, say, hey, I don't want to do this. And I had pointed out, you know, hey, I don't want a doctor operating on me who's a bigot, and I'd rather them tell me up front that they don't want to do a procedure than to have them do the procedure. Like, think of what the horror that is, right? Like, they were focused on the horror of, well, what if no one will do the care and I have to drive 200 miles to uh, to get the care I want? And I'm like, Dude, you're going to want to drive that 200 miles anyway, right? Right. Because because why would you want someone operating on your brain or your private bits who who's morally opposed to you, right? Who thinks you're right. an evil person? That that that's a nightmare, right? Um Well, and there's another there's another side to that, William, and it was here's a really obscure reference for everyone. Uh it was very well portrayed in the television show Everwood. Everwood was about uh a a, a leftist New York 
surgeon who moved to a small conservative town in Colorado. And there was, of course, the opposing, more conservative character. And there was an episode on abortion where that doctor was pro-life. He was anti-abortion. But he had to decide whether he wanted to or would perform an abortion on a young lady he knew and respected and thought well of. And ultimately, he decided to perform the abortion. And I thought the episode was very compelling because it raised the question of individualism and it raised the question of context. That generally you can be against something, but perhaps there's specific context and specific specific individuals and specific situations where you would be okay with it. And there's there's a difference between having an abstract or rationalistic, right, divorce from reality principle and facing people at that moment. And that's similar to what you're talking about with this. You know, abstractly, you would want to say, well, every doctor should want it. And I'm, I'm not saying I personally, but someone who is pro-trans rights in the sense that they think everyone should be able to have the surgery. Now, you know, personally, I don't, I'm very hesitant to be like, why are we fixing the, the body and not the mind? I don't have a stance on that. I, that. That's something I'm very undecided on. I don't think I have enough experience or knowledge to speak on that issue. But someone who who does and thinks that all doctors should want to perform the surgery is different from saying, well, in this specific instance in my life is the best choice for me to perform to go to the doctor that doesn't want to perform the surgery. Do you see what I'm saying, William? We lose track yeah. often with all of these things, and it's the same thing with these restaurants and these vaccines. We lose track of that. We lose track of, well, what's the individual situation we're dealing with? Because here's the thing. This this person, this Khan, right? Zarin Khan, the owner of Pakistani Indian restaurant Zarin's, right? Or Zarin, however you say it. I apologize. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. She can say, I want all my employees to get vaccinated. But what are the employees going to do, William, if they don't want to get vaccinated and they want to keep the job? I don't know. I mean, I, they can't. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, they can. They can They're going to forge vaccination cards. A hundred percent. Oh, well, that's already. Happening. Yeah, that, that's already happening. I mean, before that's saying, all we had to do was not... a test. So like it's it's. That, but that's the point. It's not no one's dealing with the individual situation. She's not talking to each of her employees. She's just creating a blanket rule and she's not looking at the situation. Yeah. And that, that's what's crazy about all of this to me. Right. Even Dr. Drew says this. He goes, well, individually, you may not need to get it, but you have a collective responsibility. Look, I agree with the abstract idea that there is a threshold for viruses or diseases that may require everybody to get vaccinated or to get treated. But William, at that point, wouldn't it be in everyone's self-interest to get vaccinated or treated? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, how much, how much do we think, like, we already know when they rolled this out, I told you how like unsecure this whole like process was, but we're just taking away individuals' choices is really what it comes down to, right? Like, cutting through all the bullshit, right. that's what we're doing. 
and that's we're saying the there is point. no choice, right? In order to be in right, society, but, you must you must comply, you must conform, and that's right, that, that's, that's my, why that's why that's why some folks this rubs the wrong way, right? This is not the right. way you convince. I, there's, I, I'll I, tell you why. I'm going to tell you. Wait, I'm going to tell you why it rubs them the wrong way, and I'm going to reiterate what I just said. This is why it rubs us the wrong way. I'm one of those people where you take away my individual choice and it rubs me the wrong way. This is why. If we had actually reached the threshold where we collectively needed it to survive, there would be no individual choice. And what I mean by that is I would either take it or I would die, which means my choice has already been made for me. The fact that we have not reached that point and we're trying to say there is no individual choice is what bothers me because that's the evil part of it because there is no conflict between self-interest and the collective good if it is in my self-interest because it is danger to all of us collectively then there is no choice i will take it but if it's not in my self-interest it's not in the danger to the collective do you understand what i'm saying yeah yeah I, I, and that's why it makes us so angry. I will speak for the group here and I will speak for <laughs> myself here. That's why it makes me angry. And that's why it's a farce. They've created an opposition where there is none. Yeah, I I, I think I, I don't, you know, we talked about it before, like you'll have to laugh at it or you'll be angry. I think that, I think that there's a, maybe it's a, uh, um, a sense of um i don't think it's a sense of like um disconnection but like i have sort of like an indifference towards it it's like i i i can't control this part um and i can just deal with it and i think being able to talk about it and point out the evil of it as long as i can do that i could still move forward and so i think that's why it's glad I, i'm glad we talk about this stuff because it doesn't make any sense. And there's not that many people around here who see through it quite to the level that we do. Well, I mean, it's also partially because you're in California. I mean, I don't mean to say like if I had been in California and when I was in California, this stuff would bother me on a day to day basis. But this literally is not in my mind at all on a daily basis. It's only when someone sends me the headline or <laughs> it pops triggered. up on Apple News so it's it's a lot easier for me to shut this off. I mean, last week, right? When we were in Hollywood Studios, were you thinking of any of this? No, not at all. Right. Even when we saw people in a mask, it was just kind of like, ha idiot. You know what I mean? Yep. So I, I do think, it, and that this goes back to what I was saying about like the two groups of people. I think it's largely what sense of life of people you're around. And to me, that's a big part of, you know, people will ask me, they'll be like, why did you move to Florida? Like, it's very tough. Like, how do you explain that to someone when you have to explain the concept of sense of life? Yeah. And because if you just go, well, I like to be around people who like freedom, they're going to be like, oh, wow, they're going to assume you're some right wing person. You know, <laughs> it's it, it's very tough to say. Yeah. And I actually I think that leads into like one of the big things that happened this past week or a big point of conversation. I mean, there was so much stuff about Cuba. And, you know, there, there was all this ironic stuff about it. I mean, and one of the biggest ironies, I think, is uh, President Biden. What President Biden said, and I'm just going to read the quote here, because this quote is a great quote. It's a great quote. It's a great quote you want to hear the president of the United States say. 
But then you have to call into question, based on the reality of our life, what is the actual understanding and implementation of this quote? So here's the quote that Biden said in a press conference when discussing everything going on in Cuba. Communism is a failed system, a universally failed system. And I don't see socialism as a very useful substitute, but that's another story. The fact that, William, a Democratic president, a candidate, a politician from the more left-hand side of the spectrum in America would say that communism is a failed system, a universally failed system, and I don't see socialism as a very useful substitute. That's a win. That's a victory. Right? That, that's When you hear it, you feel good. But there's a couple things that raise hesitancy here. The first of all is Biden's from an older generation, right? He's from a generation that went through things like the Cold War. So the specter, the battle with communism was very real to him. With our generation and younger, that battle is not there. And what I wonder is, is he aware of who his party is in bed with and who he is in bed with? In other words, working with throughout his administration. Hmm. I, I think, first of all, I don't think Biden's all there. So we have to talk about what his handlers are having him say. Um, but even the fact that his handlers would have him say this means they think that this is marketable, which is a good litmus test for the, the general sense of life of the country or what they see the sense of life as the country as. Yeah. I, in. This is despite the media kind of having a full court press, right? Trying to uh, talk about how they're they're it's actually just the COVID restrictions they're uh, they're fighting over, right? That that was the uh, initial poll, and then it was, oh, it's the sanctions, and then they finally some people interviewed some Cubans, and they're like, it's not the sanctions. We've had the sanctions forever. Um, I mean, they would rather not have the sanctions, of course, but um, that it's it's something different, right? So. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's hard to see this in a positive light given all the other stuff that's going on. But you have to at least say, hey, he was induced to stand up for freedom, right? That's that's a good thing. But the proof will be at the pudding, right? Like what what it's one thing to stand up and, and say something, that's great. But what's the follow up, right? Um, and I don't mean like invading Cuba or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a there's a moral follow up that has to happen too, and I, I'm not sure the, um, you know all the rhetoric around, uh, you know we're we want a porous border uh, with Mexico, but we absolutely don't want anyone crossing uh, from Cuba on boats, um, is wise. But uh, I don't know. There's probably some more. There's some more mixed messaging, and I'm not sure that everyone in the administration is following it. And it's going to be interesting to see based on that speech. If any policies change down the line on the executive branch, I don't know. I have no idea if, if they will or not. What, what what to me it's about is the, the national conversation, right? And these words being used in this way is good for the national conversation because look what else has been said, right? I mean, Black Lives Matter came out and, you know, Black Pro Lives dictatorship. Matter. Pro-dictatorship. That's how they came out. Right. They came out, but they seem to be anti what's going on in Cuba, not realizing the, the difference. But then 
the Socialist Party of Great Britain replied to their tweet, and they said, Cuba does not have communism. Anyone with just a basic understanding of what communism is knows this. So why make such a ludicrous assertion? The people do not collectively own and control the means of production. An elite owns and controls them. Cuba has state capitalism. And, you know, then in a picture, they had the two definitions. Uh, In the definition of state capitalism, they say under that communism, the ownership and control of the industries, natural resources, etc. by the people collectively is not the same as state capitalism, ownership by a state elite. Look, I'm as against corporatism as the next person. Corporatism being, you know, when all these special interest groups leverage government so much to give them special rules that allows the, the corporations to control society, basically, and the elite to cr- control society. Yeah, and, and, to be clear, have legit- and to be clear, I, we've talked about this before. I'm for the complete separation of economics and state. I don't want anything. Yes. I, I, I want nothing between two individuals, um, you know, associating with each other and, and trading with each other. Right. And that's a legitimate conversation to have about our society and how corporatist is our society and how uh, combined integrated, I don't know the correct word, are economics in the state right now. That is a legitimate conversation to have in our society. And to me, William, that's one of the best things Ayn Rand did in Atlas Shrugged. Ayn Rand portrays a corporatist society in Atlas Shrugged. And what that points to, right, is why I always say it's not a political line. The spectrum is not a line. It's a circle. And that's the thing. These things that say this is not true communism. Cuba's not true communism. That's what these people miss when they say Oh, well, and hold on, I need to open it up again. When they say that, you know, a form of capital, state capitalism is a form of capitalism in which the government controls some property, resources, and money. Right? Okay, some. So you're saying if you go far enough right, this is their language, you go far enough right, right, towards freedom, then you have the government controlling the state, or you're the government controlling pro- property, resources, money, etc. Okay? What do you think happens? Oh, the collective owns it. The people own it. So are we going to fucking, if there's a country of 350 million, are you going to fucking ask 350 million people every time you make a decision what to do with it? We have a dollar. What are we going to do with this dollar? No, eventually you have representatives or people who take control and it ends up in the same place that corporatism ends up. They end up in the same place. That's why it's a circle. It's not a line. And that's what people miss. The only true distinction is individualism versus collectivism. How do you best implement individualism? How do you best implement collectivism? And if you want to be honest and have a discussion and we, we say, okay, it's better to judge things based on the collective. And that means we're going to have people be the arbiters of what's the best for the collective. I'll say, you know what? I at least respect you for being honest and saying, that's what you believe. I can understand that if that's your standard of value and you think life is collective, then okay, we're going to judge based on that. But I don't. I think life is individual. So we're going to disagree and we're going to have discussions about that. But we don't have that. They try, try to push these things through, through and call communism as if it's better for the individual. That's what they're, they're getting people to trade based on. As if state capitalism, as they're describing it, is any different from communism. And I think there are people who legitimately believe that, William, because they approach communism from an individualistic standpoint do you understand what i mean by that yeah yeah well and and we've talked about this before as well uh 
they're not dis- drawing distinctions between economic power and political power, right? The issue in communism, the primary, uh, much like uh, fascism, is that the economic and political power are together, right? And because people don't draw those distinctions in capitalism, they can describe this as state capitalism, but there's nothing capitalistic about it, right? There's no, there's no, uh, there's no uh, private property ownership. There's no uh, separation of economics. There's no distinction between economics and political, right? It's all political to use the uh, communist. Uh, well, uh, right, and that's why uh, they idea. say every every act in this planet is a political act, right? To take the paraphrase from Batman versus Superman. Yeah, 100% correct. And that's what I mean where I say it's a circle, William. It always gets to political power and economic power overlapping. Always. It doesn't matter which direction you go in. Are you saying the corporations should get in bed with the government? Or are you saying the people should get in bed with the government? Either way, it overlaps with economic and political power being one and the same, and that's dangerous, just like if you put religious power and political power together. And when we're talking about that, another thing that happened this week, which is another battlefront on that sort of war, I guess we'll say, is more emojis were released, and one of them sort of became a laughing stock, which is kind of a good thing. And I want to get your opinion on this, right? So these emojis, I'm not even sure there's like a nonprofit that you know, I'm not sure who this group is and like what power they have and why we care. But apparently there's a nonprofit that tries to regulate what emojis there are. Yeah, and, there's and a, theoretically... an industry an industry consortium. Right. Okay. That way but the that way that way multiple devices will present the same emoji, right? Right. Which is then where the problem comes in. Right? Because theoretically, like let there be as many emojis as possible. Let there be as many emojis as possible. Now, technologically, I don't know how that could execute because I know there's problems across Androids and iPhones with texting, but it should be, I I don't think it should be hard to make it, and maybe this is just me being a layman and an idiot, but it shouldn't be hard to like, okay, you download an emoji keyboard and those emojis, that emoji keyboard's not on another phone, but they should be able to receive your emoji. But remember back in the day, they used to just send question marks. Yeah, so yeah, maybe that's this what this is consortium a, uh, addresses. Right, well, that's what I'm saying. That seems like a technology issue, not like a, let's make a pregnant man emoji. And that's the one people are making fun of, right? And it's, uh, look, I think it's stupid, right? I think the idea of a pregnant man is stupid. Like, yeah, I get the idea that, oh, you were born a female, but you identify as male, so you change a lot of your biology through hormone treatment and, and surgeries, but you still have a uterus, so you theoretically can get pregnant. So you're a quote-unquote pregnant man. Like, I get that conceptually. But to me, one of the defining traits of a woman is being able to get pregnant. So the idea of a pregnant man emoji is ridiculous to me. But at the same time, like, shouldn't there be able to be as many emojis as possible? So shouldn't we just find it a way technologically <laughs> make sure everyone can receive every possible emoji? Well, that's what this consortium is. I keep saying that to you. Um, well, explain it to me technologically then. Why? Why technologically? We have to agree on what uh, computer binary number stands for which particular emoji. We have to decide that. We have to assign them, and that's what this consortium does. 
So someone proposed, hey, we need a pregnant man uh, emoji, and this is the binary uh, code that will that will tell all devices that this is the pregnant man emoji, and then it gets passed, and then all the phone makers and um, application makers, they come up with their, you know, graphic to represent that, and then it gets pushed out to all the devices, and then all the devices recognize this binary code, present this icon. Okay, so then theoretically how come the apple keyboard only has x amount of emojis on it is that because that's just all they've decided to code into their keyboard so then could there be like a third person app that's developed that every possible emoji is on well when you say every possible emoji like you could you could create your own you could create your own and yes you could have your own keyboard and and send your own messages, but then the receiver would also have to have that app in order to not get the question marks, like you said before. But that's what I'm saying. So isn't the issue technologically the question marks? How do we make it so it's a standard feature that any emoji that someone sends, you receive without it being a question mark? How do we do that? Uh, you're, you're arguing in circles. How we do it is we set up in a consortium where you uh, assign the, the stuff as a group so that you can all that's one way to do it. The other way would be to just render it as an image and send it. Okay. So that's really it to render it as an image, because what I'm saying is Apple has a limited number of emojis on their keyboard. Well, so they would have to agree, but that's what I'm saying. They would have to agree to put every possible emoji on their keyboard. Well, and then they would conflict too, right? Different, different. Without this like committee process, they would conflict. I might assign uh, the pregnant man emoji to binary two, and you might assign it to binary seven. And then when we send messages to each other, we get very confused. Okay, so let me come at it this way. Let's say there's fifty emojis, but Apple chooses on their keyboard to only have emojis one through twenty-five. If someone texts me from another phone, emoji thirty-two, is that going to come up as a question mark? Yes, because it doesn't okay. know what it is. Okay. Is there a way to make it so, even though my keyboard only has 1 through 25 on it, I can receive all 50 emojis? You would download an app, or they could send it to you as an image. Okay. Is there a way to build that into every phone, or do they have to have all 50 emojis on every phone's keyboard? Justin, this is terrible pod. You're arguing in a circle. The device I, on did, both sides have to, in a circle. have to. I did have not. To it's agree. not an argument. It's a, it's a legitimate logistic question. Look, <laughs> my keyboard only has 1 through 25 on it. If somebody, I'm talking about sending, not receiving. I can send 1 through 25. You're right. telling me if I can send 1 through 25, I can only receive 1 through 25 as well. Yes. Is that unless what you're saying? The, unless the person who sends it to you sends it to you as an image. I understand that. Okay. I understand that. But I'm saying. Is there a way to make it so you can receive all 50, but only send 25? Is that possible logistically, technologically? Uh, Sure. We've already listed two ways. I I could come up with a third way. A third way would be that you could send the entire, your entire emoji list and their mappings to the recipient. So when you start a text conversation, it would exchange Hey, here's the 50 emojis and the 50 icons that represent them, and here's how, how to map them. You could send that to the recipient. 
I understand I'm working from the premise that there's an agreed upon 50 emojis. We could say there should never be an agreed upon 50 emojis, which is a whole different discussion, right? But what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about technologically is if we all agree there's 50 emojis, but my keyboard only sends 25, is there a way to make it so every device besides the two ways can receive all 50 emojis? That's what I'm saying. We already agree that there's 50 emojis. So how do we make it so every device can receive all 50 emojis? I've already Is that like a coding three. issue? I've already listed three. You're, I feel like I'm being put on the spot. I just listed three. You could send the image, right? You could do the committee thing, right? You can send the entire emoji but the committee list. You thing, start the look, conversation. The committee, thing goes, the committee thing is like, oh, there's 50 flavors of ice cream, but you still in the store have to make the 50 flavors of ice cream and put them on sale. There's a difference between saying, I say there are 50 flavors of ice cream, and then somebody actually making the 50 flavors of ice cream. I'm talking about technologically. I don't know what you mean by technologically, then, because I've just given you four technical solutions. I'm talking about the exchange of information between devices. Okay. So I have 25 on here, right? And I click, and then that device can receive. If it's another iPhone, it can receive it. Right? Yeah. Because the other device knows how to translate that. So I'm saying, in each device, is it possible to make it to translate an infinite set of emojis? Or an agreed upon? We're saying there's not infinite because there's an agreed upon set. Okay. Look, I'm, I'm just going to get to a point here, okay? I've given you the three. Whole idea, okay, I'll come up with another right, one. Here's right, right, a fifth right, right, one. Here's a fifth one. You're, you're not, you could you're download it from a third party in the messaging system. The messaging system could be designed in such a way that it could download those emojis. You could say, I'm using the midside set of emojis. And so it could go to the midside.com and download those emojis when you start the conversation. So now right, I'm just the fifth way. Right. So that makes sense. That's, But that is also assuming the premise that... There's not one set of emojis, right? So that makes sense, right? There's not one set of emojis. Every set is coded differently. This person uses this. You have to download that to accept their emojis. Okay, I get that. That makes sense. But I'm going to actually simplify it even further. Isn't this all that these are just little pictures we send back and forth that they're just trying to make it easier for us? So why, when you click on an emoji on a phone, is it sending binary? Everything's binary code, so don't go there. Uh, why is it sending it in the way it is and it's not just sending a picture? Do you get what I'm saying? Why, when I text someone in an Android, an Apple emoji, does it have to get translated through code? Why can't they just send a picture? Do you uh, understand what I mean? Yeah, because it's faster to send. So instead of sending, like, the actual icon, right, what it's sending is, like, a letter that you pressed, like, F. Yeah. Okay? So it's not, so just like when it sends F, it doesn't tell the recipient how to draw the F. It just says the binary code that represents F. So in this case, it's doing the binary code that represents the actual emoji. So if you're so thinking it, about the speed at which people text, um, if that was constantly sent as images, it would be fairly slow, even on today's fast networks, and it would be absolutely bankrupt people in third world countries, right? Right. So it's an issue of MMS speed, time, of, and money. Yeah. Yep. Speed, time, and money. The okay. amount of data required to send, like, it, it would basically be, it's Unicode, so it's probably uh, UTF-8 or UTF-16, 
So it's, uh, you know, it's four bytes or eight bytes of data per emoji versus kilobits of data, right, to represent the entire icon. Right. I mean, and another way to look at that is there's really no difference between an emoji and an animated GIF besides speed, da- speed data and time, speed information and time. Exactly. And then when I say information, I mean amount of information because they're just pictorial representations of an emotion. That's what an animated GIF is. That's what an emoji is. So basically what I'm saying is animated GIFs are white privilege. This is a long road to get there. <laughs> I didn't intend to end up there. But that's the point I'm making is people look and they get upset about the pregnant man or the fact that, you know, there's a committee, right? That's the, the greater part. There's a committee deciding what the emojis are. None of that fucking matters. Like, if you don't like emojis, don't use them. And, you know, maybe this is just another, like, lowest common denominator basic person test. If those are who the emojis are being catered towards, whose communication is that going to hurt in the long run? The people who I, I think it, right? I hear I'm going to make a woke argument, Justin, to make this more interesting. Let me make a woke argument. I don't think they should uh, allow the... Um, uh, pregnant man because uh, um, transphobic people will use it to um, to harass with violence. Uh, that will use this uh, uh, emoji as as violence against transphobes. Well, that's ultimately what it all comes down to. That's a good point because it shows that you have to allow all of it or none of it. Right? Should there be a pregnant man emoji? There is. There could be. So there will be. Yeah, it's, what's the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Oh, uh, crap, I'm thinking of Twins. Is it Twins? No. No. Ar- where's he's pregnant? I'm going to Google yeah. that. Arnold <laughs> pregnant. That's, that's what this, this entire emoji is just for that movie. Arnold pregnant. Why doesn't it look like Arnold? Called Junior. All right, Junior. There you go. And it was Danny. I was going to say Danny DeVito. It was indeed Danny DeVito. Directed and produced by Ivan Reitman. So, yeah, I mean, look, this is a communication thing, right? Think about who's controlling your communication. Think about how you're using your communication and what its purposes are. That's what matters here. None of this other crap about like, oh, can men get pregnant? That doesn't matter. Should there be a Superman? There is. Should there be a pregnant man emoji? There could be. There will be. There is. Now, how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to communicate? I only use, look. William, I'm going to be honest. I only use emojis for one reason. Because I read once that when you don't use emojis, people read your text as cold and emotionless and off-putting. And then I started using them to see if it would make people friendlier to me, and it did. So that's just the only reason I use emojis. Yeah, I think emojis provide that context um, that you get in an in-person conversation of body language. It's a way to communicate that. Now, there are people who go a little crazy with emojis, right? Like everything, like it becomes a mask, right? Where they're always sending smileys or, uh, and you never really know what's going on. But I think using it effectively is just good communication. I don't necessarily agree with that because it's as, as someone who in person, like I don't necessarily show a lot of emotion in person. That doesn't mean I'm not an emotional person. It doesn't mean I'm not a benevolent or, or warm person. But like, I'm not someone who like. Well, Justin, Justin, don't be don't be so t- autistic. You don't have to smile like the emoji to be communicating emotions. Your body language, even though you're more reserved, is clear to people who know you. Well, right, but that's what I'm saying about that's the difference between an emoji and that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, as someone who like doesn't smile a lot or Ever. who has a hard time fake Ever. smiling, 
I ever. smile. I'm smiling right now. Wait, um, I, well, hold on. I'm going to scroll through while you're while you're talking. I'm going to scroll through the pictures of the match party. See how many I, I took of you. Actually, oh yeah, smiling. no, the, 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 the <laughs> I'm terrible with smiling at pictures. <laughs> I'm terrible with smiling. Pictures. I hate it. It feels fake when I smile. Um, but yeah, but that's the point I'm making. Is it's it's forcing everybody into one modality. Like that's the way you have to communicate happiness or benevolence or kindness. Kindness via text. Uh, that's my point. You, you also have to use the English language. Justin, nah, I don't buy it. I don't buy this argument. Well, no, but, I, I, but think that's, that, I think uh, you have to use the yes. letters that 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 were developed by uh, people, uh, uh, old dead white people. So, um, you know, you have to use the dictionary that was developed by old dead white people too. Ah, but that's so. ah, but see, that's part of the point as well, right? Is that visual language, and when I, I mean visual, I mean written, right? Something you read is only one form of human communication because the letters represent sounds. And even though the letters represent sounds, each of us try to make the same sound, but nobody makes the same exact sound. No human beings make the same exact sound. Maybe some people are skilled enough that they're able to mimic each other's sounds. That's why we have people who are impressionists. But that's part of it. We are replacing all communication. As you said, body language, that's another form of communication. We're replacing all of it with simple visual reading. Pregnant men. With pregnant men emojis, emojis, right. And that's why people are getting upset. You are simplifying your human experience down to a pregnant man emoji. That's why you're getting upset. Does that make sense? Mm, maybe. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take the maybe. <laughs> take the maybe. Let's move on and we'll talk about more complex communication. Let's talk about some art in The Hopeful Bromantic with JML. If you would like to continue the conversation about the pregnant man emoji in Discord, we'd love to have it. Uh, there's a lot of good content in Discord this past week. You're missing out on it. A lot of good conversation. So go ahead, join our Discord. Uh, somebody talked about, uh, they put a tweet in there about a term called lesboy, right, in language, and we started talking about how you can back into individualism. Again, <laughs> this is part of our conversation about language. I'd how love to see how lesboy is different than super straight, but... Well, okay. That's all part of it, right, William? That's a, sure let's, a, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that question in the Discord. What's the difference between lesboy and super straight? All right, what's the difference? And lesboy, as my last name being Lesneski, that's a little too close for me. We're getting to a way I'm not comfortable with. But... <laughs> Justin is uncomfortable with his sexuality. That's the name of the <laughs> Yes. No. Um, that's just a, the great conversation we can have in Discord. So go on the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link. And in the episodes, there is a link there to join our Discord. Do that. Join in. Join the conversation. We'd love to talk to you during the week. There's some great conversation. I would say I'm in there more than I'm on Twitter now. So that says a lot about our Discord. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on the review this week, William. Uh, I saw a sequel. Uh, actually, I saw two sequels. One I don't want to review. I saw the new Space Jam. Uh, that's really all I want to say about it. I don't even want to give it a review. Uh, actually, I will say one more thing on it. They somehow 
William managed to work in the self-sacrificial death at the end of the new Space Jam. I was shocked. I was I was watching the movie and I was like, wow, there are some like individualistic ideas in here, right? The idea that LeBron has to let his son do what he wants to do, right? LeBron's son wants to design video games. He wants him to be a basketball player. And it's like, I'm not you, dad. And he had to let his son be his son. I was like, wow, individuation. But then uh, they did some other stuff and I was like, there's no way they can work the self-sacrifice into here. But they did. So it's kind of amazing how they were able to do that. But it's also a statement on, I think, sort of how ubiquitous these ideas are and how accepted in the general culture they are. Where this is a movie that's made for general consumption and for kids, and they put that in there. I don't think it's anything for these particular screenwriters. I don't think it's anything insidious. I don't think they Weren't understand. There like the film. thirty-seven screenwriters on this one too. Right. Well, and that's my point. Thirty-seven people looked at it and were like, "Oh, okay, we're just going to go with this." It come. It like. It, it it doesn't fit, but a lot of the movie doesn't fit, so I don't even really want to review it. Uh, the movie I do want to review is another sequel, Escape Room: Tournament of Champions. Escape Room is sort of like Saw, but less violent. It's a sort of a PG-13. So it takes the concept of an escape room, and it turns it into a deadly puzzle. So if you don't escape in time, you die. But the deaths aren't gruesome or anything. It's like in this one, like, somebody will get swallowed by quicksand, although that's an argument whether that person died or not. Or they won't show it, but somebody will get frozen alive, or somebody will get burned alive. Right, things like that. Or sort of think about it like this. William, what's the Star Wars movie where they're in the trash compactor? Uh, that's A New Hope. A New Hope. It's sort of like that scene in A New Hope with multiple rooms and across two movies. So it's like, okay. how do we get out of this room before it closes in on us? Which, to be fair, that's one of the most iconic scenes in A New Hope, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It certainly set the tone because you have the the comedy. Not comedy, but the comedic elements of it and the seriousness yeah. of it at once. Right, and you have a bunch of characters in there, and they're all reacting differently to the situation. And you're getting to know the characters by them doing, by them operating in this, you know, extreme environment, right? You get right. Leia's personality right away, right, through that whole right. sequence, not just the trash, trash compactor, but getting into it and getting out of it. Right. Now, I certainly wouldn't argue that the characters are as well-defined as in Star Wars, but it has that same element in here. So this is this is the sequel. So in the first one, there are these two characters that survived and they're trying to find the game makers because the game makers are these elite people who bet on these games they create where they put a bunch of people in a series of escape rooms and bet who's going to survive and they'll have different combinations it's like they'll put a bunch of priests in there together say which priest is going to survive or they'll put a bunch of people who can't feel pain together and see what who's going to survive based upon the puzzles they create for them Now, we didn't see either of those puzzles because this one, Tournament of Champions, the two people who survived the first one were trying to go to New York City to find the game makers and sort of bring them down because they think what they're doing is evil. And I would argue that it's kidnapping. It's taking away people's free will and putting them in dangerous situations. But they end up on a subway car and they realize everyone else on that subway car has won previous games. You know, one of them is the priest. One of them is the girl who can't feel pain. And again, this this movie is another another escape room game. Who's going to survive? And look, it's entertaining. It's what you just said, William. You see the way the characters are, what their you know strengths are, who they are. 
based upon how they're interacting in the puzzles. You know, there's there's a little bit of expositional dialogue where they say, oh, I'm a priest and I think they wanted to test our faith. But there's you know, there's not a whole lot of that. It's very visual based. It's very action based. The set design's wonderful. The characters are generally likable and it progresses the plot of Minos, the game maker, and will they be able to be brought down and what links will they go to to create their games and to get people in them? So I think it's a, it's pretty entertaining if you like these kind of, it's sort of like action thriller with elements of horror. If you like those kind of movies, I think you would like it. Not the best thing ever, not the worst thing ever. I would give this a solid bro. All right, let's talk about some other movies that are going to come out. As always, I put the trailers in Discord. I try to do them on Saturdays. Uh, and you can watch them before this episode, before you listen to it, after you listen to it, or you can alternate. Watch a trailer, pause it, we talk about it. Watch a trailer, pause it, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Turning Red is an upcoming Pixar movie. In it, in the trailer, and I'm going to describe the trailer first before I describe the premise of the movie, because I do think the trailer does a good job of portraying the premise of the movie. So this young, young girl's at school, And this woman's outside sort of spying on the classroom from behind a tree. And one of her friends points out that that's her mom. And then like a a security guard comes over and is like, ma'am, you can't be here. And the mom's like, my daughter goes here. And then everyone starts noticing. And the daughter gets more and more embarrassed until she turns into, I believe it's called a red panda. It doesn't look like a panda, but I believe that's the yeah, I think it's creature it's called. Yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be right, because this is very, I mean, the mother looks more Asian than the daughter, but this seems to be Asian-inspired, the style of animation and the character design. Uh, and it's clearly a metaphor for growing up. It's sort of like they took the premise of Spider-Man, and instead of turning into Spider-Man, she turns into a red panda. But it's also sort of like... So it's that metaphor, right? Because Spider-Man is a metaphor for adolescence. If you look at, you know, he feels different, he starts growing stronger. But the actual power works more like the Incredible Hulk, where later in the trailer, she is trying to calm herself down. And when she calms down, she's no longer the Red Panda. She's herself. But then two seconds later, she turns back into the Red Panda because she gets excited. So her elevation of her emotions, which happens during the turbulent time of puberty and in adolescence turns her into the red panda. So thematically I get what they're going for here. And I'm not going to lie that ultimately I will probably see this movie. You know, it depends on what comes out around it, but, and this is going to be a theme in this trailer takedown, William, there was something very strange about this trailer. It felt very strange to me. Like it was almost surreal or it's like, they're, are they really doing this? And I think ultimately it's because the premise isn't that new or that original for Pixar. This seems sort of like Pixar's most derivative work in a way. Like I said, it's I just compared it to a bunch of stories that already exist. So I will see this, but it's a very, very, very tentative hug. Hug? Yeah, I, I get your derivative. I, I definitely got the Hulk vibe. Um, and I guess it from Pixar, we, we've had, you know, 
between Onward and um, what's the other one I haven't seen? The Mermaid one. Luca. 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 I haven't seen Luca yet. Um, between these two, we've got we've had some good sort of like coming of age sort of stories from a male perspective. So this is looks like it's going to be more from a, a female daughter mother perspective. So I think there's a lot of interesting, you know, there's some good meat on on in that area, right? Like we can there's some interesting stories to be told in that area. But I'm with you. From the preview, all I was thinking of is this is Hulk. And then and then also thinking like depending on what the bear does or or is right like what is the sort of consequence of being the bear that that's not clear in the premise depending on that this this would have made more sense um having a a a boy and not a girl like you don't usually think of bear with girl right like i don't know maybe i'm missing something maybe the red panda has some other significance that i'm not clear on but in that way I, i think that led to the surrealness now i'm not saying it should be another male coming of age story that's not what i'm saying I, I was just saying that it seems muddled or confused to me just based on the trailer. However, I would be interested in this movie. I want to I want to know more about it. So in that sense, the preview worked. So I'm going to give it a, uh, a, a Disney Plus and Hug. Netflix and Hug. I think you raised an interesting point in regards to gender with this, especially with it having the Asian angle to it because when you talk about like an asian tiger mom and femininity among uh asian children right especially in china and i know i think the red panda may be more chinese i believe so there could be a lot of interesting things that are done there and maybe that's why the trailer feels surreal because it sort of cuts all of that out where typically typically pixar trailers have more depth to them Maybe that's the concern. Mm. Although also this trailer does say from Disney and Pixar, and I don't know if that's just a marketing thing or if Disney's co-producing this. Yeah, that makes it immediately sus, right? Because, uh, uh, Justin, I don't think you've talked about the podcast. We watched a couple episodes of the Monsters uh, TV series, and I made that very clear to you right at the beginning. Oh, this this is Disney, not Pixar. And so maybe this is the same thing. Maybe this is Disney and not Pixar, which could be could make this uh, a lot more sus. Yeah, certainly. So all of these things have to be be taken into uh, account here. I'm trying to Google really quickly uh, to see if this is solely Pixar. I think it's because I... Let me see, Wikipedia. So it definitely has an Asian bent to it because it, it's star... It's directed by Domi Shi. Let's see. Domi Shi is Chinese-born Canadian... And it's starring Sandra Oh. So that's definitely intentional. Let's look at... Yeah, see, it's it's listing both as the production companies on Wikipedia here. So we'd have to do more research. Yeah, but this could be like the Monsters thing where it's like, oh yeah, they helped at the beginning, set up the the story skeleton, and then (laughs) let Disney fuck it all up. So, See, it's but it says here... It says, Turning Red is scheduled to be released theatrically in the united states by walt disney but that's they they're the distributor of all pixar so that doesn't mean they're the production company so we'll look into this further and figure it out but yeah that, we'll that is crack a huge researchers on it in discord second trailer rushed is a drama about a 
mother whose daughter, son, I said daughter because the last trailer, uh, son is killed. It's very unclear. He might just be put in a coma. They don't show him actually die in the trailer. But, you know, there's hazing in a fraternity. There's a lot of drinking. He ends up in the hospital. And then the mother is trying to take revenge on the system. It isn't even clear who exactly she's taking revenge on, which is part of the problem with this trailer. Right. She gets upset like, oh, they did this to my son. And there's no there's no justice. This has happened to a bunch of people's sons beforehand. And something must be done. And then, like, she seems to, like, be, like, suiting up. And I mean that in, like, the most violent sense possible. Like, it's like she's getting guns and stuff, and she's going to, like, go fight back. Which, look, describing this trailer, that sounds sort of cool. But, the again, the fact that it's not clear what she's battling exactly, and I mean that on two ways. Who are the people? What part of the system is she about, and why? I have problems with the, the Greek system when it becomes about giving up your identity to to belong to a group. And I think that's the major issue, that people will do things to harm themselves in order to belong to a group. And all of these movies that have existed that address the issues with the, the Greek system don't ever address that point. It's always all oh, the system fails, and it always seems to be a sort of like anti-white privilege narrative or anti-privilege narrative. And that's why this trailer... It gave me a very bad feeling. Just like the last trailer felt a little off, this trailer gave me a very bad feeling because ultimately this felt like naturalism to me. It felt like they were coming at an interesting idea and it could have been done well, but it felt like it came at it naturalistically and the aesthetic backed that up as well. So for me, this is a tackle. Tackle. Yeah, isn't this the uh, the lady from Daddy Darko that's, that does... Uh... I I sometimes I doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion. I think that's the lady, uh, the the main actress. Maybe um, I think it is. Uh, yeah, I think uh, what you're what you're talking about there is missing the forest for the trees when it comes to the theme. And it, I'm not sure if this was sort of like a like a. It it's obviously trailer is cut to be a revenge film but who are we revenging against and it's like she's got a gun and she's going into the basement of the frat house presumably i don't know like it it just seemed very confused that being said i don't think we're the market for this this seems like a mother's nightmare sort of story so it's probably just um emotion emotional porn right it's just it's just revenge porn um so you know I can already, like, foresee the beats being about different parts of the system being to blame, right? And she wants justice. Uh, and she wants someone to apologize. I don't know. Like, it, 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 I don't know. Like, this could be really good, but the way the trailer's cut, it doesn't look like it's going to be very good. So I'm going to say no thank you. Tackle. Third trailer. Naked Singularity stars John Boyega as a... Uh, public defender, sorry, I was going to say personal, no, public defender in New York City who gets involved with a plot to create more justice? Question mark? I'm not really sure why he's getting involved with, like, drugs and all sorts of things. The other thing that was very confusing to me, William, and I want to ask your opinion of this, so when you give your response, let me know. Um... For a while, I thought they were doing Boston accents. 
it was very unclear. I was like, is that a Boston accent or a New York City accent? And I, I, I feel like a lot of the people doing it, it was very unclear which accent they were going for, especially Olivia Cook. Her accent was sort of almost like it wasn't as extreme, but it was sort of like Amy Adams in The Fighter. But and that's the thing about this movie, like Olivia Cook. I think is one of the most underrated actresses in Hollywood. I first saw her in Bates Motel. She's been in other stuff. And that's kind of makes me want to see this. And also when I looked it up, this movie was described as an action comedy, although there's nothing comedic in the trailer. So it's being, it's being marketed as sort of more like a social justice anti-system piece. So now we're starting to see problems with trailers where trailers are being marketed not as what they re- movies are being marketed not as what they really are, but they're being marketed b- based on the prevailing winds to get people into the theater. So I don't really know what this movie's about. I- I'm-, I'm unsure. I'm not. It looks like there's a good level of production, and it looks kind of on that line, like it could go naturalistically, but that could also just be the way it's being pushed by the marketing company. Uh, I-, I like Olivia Cook. I I don't know. I. I'd have to learn more. So for now, this is a, a, a tackle. Tackle? Yeah, good good, good uh, sound effect. You had me hovering there. Um, I'm hovering. That's why I'm hovering. <laughs> so I, I didn't... You know me. I like guns. I like explosions. I like good action sequences. I don't know that... I don't... Based on the trailer, I don't know that this would actually keep me interested. And because it's it's just like the the uh, movie we talked about earlier. What are the motives here? Right. What 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 are we trying to do? This guy says that he, you know, I shouldn't do X because it just wouldn't, you know, be like in the name of justice or whatever. Right. And but then like you see him doing things and it seems like he's going to give up on that principle. Okay, that could be an interesting premise, but that wasn't even focused on, right? Like, what are the choices here? What are the stakes here? He's stuck in the system. He's going to fight the system. It, how much are we going to fight the system, right? I don't know. This gets into a wider discussion. I, you know, folks like, you know, we talk about the, you know, the culture war and uh, and fighting the system. People have been fighting the system since the 60s, and those people are in charge of the damn system. Who are you fighting against? I don't understand. And there's no particular... Did you notice, Justin? There's no particular person or instance of that injustice, right? You just see him standing in the courtroom and getting shat on by the judge, right? It, It almost doesn't matter. Is this about his defendants, or is it about him? That was also confusing to me. Because we talk about how he's stuck, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's part of the theme that that just was not clear in the in the trailer. I don't know, Justin. From the trailer, it seems like a fucking mess. So I think I'll pass. Tackle. Final trailer. The five rules of success is about a guy who gets out of prison and then seemingly goes back to the same lifestyle. You want to talk about naturalism? I included this trailer because when I looked at the description of the movie and I looked at it in relation to the previous movie, The Naked Singularity, I thought there would be some sort of uh, thematic similarities and I thought there would be some things to compare and contrast here. And I also thought the five rules of success, this movie would be about somebody finding success after getting out of jail 
and communicating that to the audience. Instead, this seems like the five rules of success are ironic. It's meant to be you can't really succeed. Here's like the five rules to survive because this is completely naturalistic. I mean, you could almost say that this is shot like a documentary on purpose. It looks absolutely terrible. Tackle. Tackle. Uh, I have a new rule of thumb when it comes to trailers. If the majority of the content is is uh, is quotes from reviewers talking about the theme versus showing the theme, then you know it's going to be a bad movie. I'm tackle. Tackle. Especially with this one, William, where they were like, oh, like it talks about what happens when someone can't meet the American dream or how the American yeah. dream is unattainable. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. That sounds like a great movie. Let, let's watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about how evil I am. <laughs> all right. All right, William. What did we learn this trip? Oh, man. I learned so much, but basically I uh, learned about... The Delta Force. Variant. Justin, what did you learn this trip? I learned that uh, being able to send pictures or animated GIFs to represent your emotions is a form of white privilege. That's what I learned. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. Like I say, if it wasn't for you, this would just be me talking into my computer, into a microphone in my closet. So thank you for making me feel a little less insane. Although since you're not right here, it still feels kind of insane. Uh, if you want to support us, you can do so a couple of ways. You can buy my book at themidside.com slash the cut. Check out that. It's a novel. Go to the midside.com slash store. Pick up some merch. There's Patreon and Locals. Patreon is per month. Nope. Scratch that, reverse it. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. You can find that at themidside.com slash Patreon or themidside.com slash Locals. And as always, the best way you can promote the show is tell a friend. Tell a friend about how much you enjoy the midside. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emelzeski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. We've got to follow the science. William, which of our scripted ended bits should we read this episode? <laughs> well, I don't know. I was going to say, when's the last time we scripted the end bit? Uh, never. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, so I'm just going to follow the science out to kickball. I'll see you guys later. Later. <laughs>